Welcome to the Catholic Economics Podcast. Today is July 16th, 2020, and today I'm going to be talking about the concept of the family wage. Uh, today I'm going to go through an article that I uh, recently got published in the Washington Examiner, and so I'll provide a link to that uh, in the show notes. And so I want to I want to just kind of talk through. The, the idea of a family wage and why I think it's important to be talking about it right now and uh, what I think it will do for the average family. Um, so the idea behind a family wage is that the, the pay of someone who is in, a full, is in full-time work would be able to provide a basic living for a family. Um, and so you have to come up with ways to uh, do a couple of different things. One, you have to pay based on the size of the family. And two, you have to provide some mechanism to ensure that the, the pay that that person gets can actually provide what they need in, in their area. In the U.S., there's a wide range of cost differences between states. And so uh, a dollar in Mississippi will buy a whole lot more than a dollar in, say, New York City or San Francisco. And so because of that, you know, labor markets tend to fluctuate a little bit between those different places. And the governments provide different amounts of services and stuff like that. So there are a lot of differences across states in the U.S. that would probably have to be dealt with uh, in, in, a, in a policy like this if the policy were implemented at the federal level. So the, the first of all, you know, is this a realistic policy? So one of the one of the big complaints you get from people who think this is a bad idea because of the way markets work or something like that there there you you often hear this automatic response oh well what just because somebody cuts my lawn for one day i'm supposed to take care of their whole family for the whole year and you know these are just silly responses but they they betray something really strange to me because it's it's not as if you can't come up with a practical definition of who should be earning a family wage. We have, and I note this in my article, we have differences between full-time and part-time work in terms of the way we compensate them. So full-time employees obviously will get a lot more uh, fringe benefits than part-time employees do. That's just the way it works. And and so it's it's sort of recognizing that there is this difference between part-time and full-time work. And of course, if someone owns a business where they're providing a service like mowing lawns or or taking care of landscaping or something like that, you know, they that's obviously then on them, right? They are their own employer. It's on them to figure out 
how to uh, charge the right amount and how to do the right amount of work so that they are able to get um, an income. But when you're an employee, you're not in the position of making those decisions. Your your only real decision is, should I work for this person or this other person? So there's, there's no ability for the employee to make these decisions and these judgments about how much uh, they're going to get paid really right it's it's there is a there's a sense in which you know you get more experience or um, you find something you're good at then you're going to potentially make more money over time but the point is that it's not in your power you're not the business owner to decide a lot of these things so I think it's a flippant response, and I think uh, it betrays this this commitment to the strange disembodied notion of a market over families themselves, which is a much more concrete and much more uh, important thing to look at. And so, the the concept is just simply that you know we would have we would have the ability for one person in a in a household to provide for a family. Instead of having this two-income parental uh, situation, and you would think, again, you have a lot of people who call themselves trads, right? You would think a trad type would be very on board with this because, um, again, it's it's focusing on having one earner for a family, and for the other earner in the family, or the excuse me, the other parent to be able to commit their life to taking care of the children. So you would think this would be attractive, but there are, there are a number of people who uh, seem to be on board with the importance of the family and the Catholic worldview, but also seem to hate any kind of, um, you know, government policy that would benefit those people. So, I think it's obvious that there are a lot of people who agree with this idea. So I, I cite a 2016 Pew poll that found that almost 60% of adults, so just adults in general, okay, believe that children with two parents are better off when one parent stays home, right? So if you so if you have a single mom or a single father, okay, that's a different type of situation. But if you have two parents, one of, your kids are better off when they stay home. And 60% of the population of the U.S. agrees with that. So to me, that seems seems to, to indicate that this would be a relatively popular um, political position for a candidate to uh, push, right? And so... You, you have, um, I think, on the right, there, there's plenty of justification for this, for, for uh, people liking this idea. And you, you can certainly come at it from a family perspective, and I think that would be attractive to a lot of people who are finding themselves on the right, especially in you know, the current Trump uh, you know, realignment of the right wing a little bit. And on the left, I think there's evidence that you would you would also get some support. So this is kind of reaching back in time. But about 15 years ago, Elizabeth Warren published a book that that's called uh, The Two-Income Trap, I think. 
and and the whole idea you know this was this was specifically for her academic work on um, bankruptcies and stuff like this so that was sort of the the perspective she took but what was interesting in the book is that she talks a lot about the problems of having two incomes in a family and how that that other parent having to work that second parent having to have a job creates a lot of problems so i think there's at least the possibility that some of the non-radical crazy psychotic left wing would be on board with this too so i think i think it would be a very um popular position in the middle and then over to the right of the political spectrum so i think i think that means that it would have some legs um so how do you how do you implement this in the article i i didn't go into too much of it because it's just an op-ed so you, you don't have a lot of room but what i said was it would be good if a full-time employee was had their pay adjusted based on the number of dependents that they had so if um you know if you 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 start a job you're single you get married and your spouse is your dependent on your tax forms right so so one of the enforcement mechanisms that's nice in here is there's just sort of this irs uh you know you don't want to, people don't want to lie to the irs kind of thing <laughs> and so if I claim my wife as my dependent, then I get a little boost in my salary. Then let's say we have our first kid. Boom. I get another little boost in my salary. And maybe those salary boosts are different depending on which dependent we're talking about, right? Like maybe I have my mother-in-law living with me, right? Maybe that, that entails a different, uh, payment or a different increase in my salary or different bonus or something like that versus having a child. Right. So maybe there's a discussion that has to happen between the employee and the employer. And, and, and that's a good thing. I think it's tragic that we don't have the union presence that we used to, because I think unions would be a, <clears throat> a really good avenue for supporting these types of discussions, but uh, or facilitating them. But uh, but but it could still happen between an employee and an employer, and it may it may just have, give us the opportunity to have uh, a little bit better uh, perspective on the uh, employment scenario. It might incentivize employers to become a little bit more involved in the lives of their employees in a positive fashion. I, I always think of the story of this uh, little town that's near my hometown, and there's a a company called B and W truck beds. And you've, you may have seen these around. Uh, they, they ship, I, I, they're very, very popular products all over the country. And they work on, they make these little ball hitch things for, uh, for trucks. But the owner of that company has been, I, I mean, I don't really know what to call him, but he has been, uh, just absolutely fantastic for the community there. And it's this tiny little town, but he has taken the employees and all of their families to uh, Branson or to Disney World. And so on his dime, you know, he, ta he takes them and, and they all go on a trip. Um, I've, I've heard, so when th there was a point in time when they had a big uh, reduction in 
productivity because they're, they were lacking on orders or their inputs were going up or something like that. But anyway, they, they were, they had a lull in business. So what he did was he paid his employees to go around and do honeydew items for like old ladies in the town and fix things up. Uh, you know, fix roofs or fix, you know, whatever the install a new water heater or something. And now he, his children are grown and they're coming back to, uh, the, the town after having gone to college or whatever. And he's investing in the community. Now they have a confectionery there. Um, and so it's, it's really neat to see this kind of relationship between an employer and someone who is obviously very intelligent and, uh, very, um, you know, sort of powerful, right. In, in the sense that they have this, 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 uh, company and they are treating it as if it, it is a benefit for the whole community, right? I mean, this is the kind of thing we want to see. And I think it's potentially the case that, uh, a lot of employers, you know, just giving, giving them a little bit of a push to think of their employees in a little bit more human terms by, uh, you know, adjusting their pay to, their life situations, potentially this might, uh, encourage some, some, uh, employers to kind of, uh, adjust their attitude more towards that, that guy that I just gave him that example. So I, you know, how does the government do this? Well, I, I think that that becomes a challenge, right? Because one of the things you, you might criticize is, well, okay, if we force these employers to pay based on dependence, then what they're going to do is they're going to say, well, we're just going to adjust everyone who doesn't have dependents. We're going to adjust their salaries down, right? Um, and so then you don't end up getting paid any more if you're just sort of the quote-unquote average family. Well, first of all, I think there's this fantastic side benefit in the sense that this would just be an incentive to have more children. And so that would be a really good thing, I think. Um, there are several Eastern European countries that have explicit pro-family policies. And I'm going to discuss one of them here in just a minute, but I think, uh, they, they're seeing the decline of their populations and they don't want to just open their borders up and let everyone in. So their only other solution is, well, I guess we have to have our own kids. So I think, I think that would be a nice side benefit to this. And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that there are no potential costs or downsides to this. I think they are, there are, and the difference, I think, for me is that I'm willing to just perfectly fine, be perfectly fine with that and admit that, right? That there's a possibility that, um, you know, financial well-being might adjust for some people. But the point is that it's going to improve the lives of families and people who are willing to have families. So, you know, some rootless, you know, single guy or whatever who's just, doesn't care about having a family or whatever. Okay. You know, his, his pay might go down, but I'm okay with that. Right. Cause, because he's not contributing. He's not, he's not getting married. He's not taking care of dependents. He's not having children. He's not taking care of his elderly parents, right? He's depending on the system to do that. And so why wouldn't I adjust his pay? Right. I think, uh, that makes a ton more sense to me than, than just simply saying, well, just earn whatever you can. And, uh, even if you don't contribute, uh, who cares? I think that's silly. And I think there's good grounding in Catholic social teaching for my position on this. I mean, if you just look at just read rerum novarum, right? 
the the very first uh, Catholic social teaching encyclical. Just re- just just read the first half of it. This is this is an encyclical on economics and um, political economy, and the the first thing that Pope Leo the Thirteenth talks about is the family. He starts off talking about the wage earner having to take care of his family and how important that is and how much of a, uh, uh, this, this is part of our humanity, right? This is part of our, uh, our duty to, um, our duty to our fellow man, to our community. So I, I think there's, there's obviously a grounding here in Catholic social teaching for this. So some other possible ideas that I want to try to critique or, or just discuss very briefly. Um, so one of them, there, there was a comment on my article that said, that talked about hefty tax breaks. And, you know, I think this is uh, an interesting way to go because of the way income is taxed at the federal level in the U.S. And uh, I can remember a time when I had a child and I was married and I didn't make very much money and I had a negative tax rate. So, you know, this, this isn't a UBI, but it, it, uh, you know, it sort of mimics that to an extent, right? Because you get a, you get, you have tax credits that are, uh, that, that increase the amount of money you get from, uh, back from the government in your quote unquote return, right? So it's not really a return. It's, it's a credit. And so you're actually getting money, um, that you, that you didn't pay in, in the first place. So I think there's potentially the case and, and, you know, this person just says tax breaks, but if, if this were implemented in the form of a credit, I think that that could make sense. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to do these things in this, in this sort of a, a lump sum, but I think it's, it's unfortunate that, um, this, this would have, you know, those that that's only going to come in, you know, the beginning of the year when you do taxes for the previous year. So if you have a child early in the year, then you're going to have to wait a whole year to get this credit from the federal government, right? Because that's the way employees do their taxes, right? Employees don't do their taxes on a quarterly basis like businesses do. So I think maybe that's good, right? Enhancing the current system, but it could be, I think, improved a lot. I, I don't think that's the best way to go. So another one, I, you know, I mentioned Eastern European countries and one of the, one of one country, and I can't remember which country it was, but they have approved a system where when someone gets married, uh, they, that, that family receives a 29,000 euro loan. So 29,000 euros is a little bit more in dollars, right? So maybe it's low thirties, mid thirties, maybe, uh, at the current exchange rate. So the, that loan is then forgiven. If that family has three children, if the, if that couple has three children, the loan is forgiven. And so I don't, I don't know all the details as, you know, when they have to make payments or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they're given a certain amount of time before they start making payments on this. If they don't have three children, right? So they're given a certain number of years to, to have those three children. So I, I think, and again, this is very pro family, right? $29,000, my goodness, you know, that, that is, uh, 
or well, maybe in the thirties. I mean, that's a, that's a decent down payment on a house in a lot of places, not out in every place, you know, in, uh, in San Francisco, that's not a, that's not a decent down payment at all. But, um, in a lot of places, that's a pretty decent down payment for a house, or at least it gets you closer. And you know, this type of thing could be very good. And I think, I think in the sense that it, it allows the couple to decide what they're going to do with that money, right? They're not necessarily putting a ton of stipulations. I'm sure they would need to put some stipulations on it, but the, I don't think they would have to go all the way to saying, well, you know, you give us the receipts and we'll reimburse you. I don't, I don't think they need to go that way. Um, but I, but I do think there, there ought to be some control on it. Kind of like we do with, uh, with, uh, food stamps and stuff like that. So, uh, there's, there's another potential and this, uh, I've been doing some reading about Japan because supposedly Japan has a system kind of like this. And all I've really been able to find is that, um, there, there are incentives in place such that employers in Japan will give people a bonus if they have children. And so I think that makes it a little bit easier for, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more likely that they're going to have children potentially, right? If they're expecting that their employer is going to give them a bonus whenever they have a kid. And then the government also gives them money uh, when their child is born to, to offset some of the cost of, uh, of, of, you know, the hospital bills and stuff like that. So I think these are all potentially good ideas to one degree or another. And it really depends on how they're implemented. But I think that, as, as unlikely as it may seem, if you're, um, if you're maybe a little jaded with this stuff, I think it's possible to build a coalition in, in politics that, that would be in favor of this. Now, of course, in the U S you're going to have, um, you know, a lot of, I'll just say social problems, uh, that get in the way of doing this. I think the right way, the way that, uh, Eastern Europe does it. But I think despite, those potential problems, I think the if 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 designed correctly, this has the potential to do an overwhelming amount of good for uh, for families. Uh, so with that, I, I think I'm going to be done, but I want to put in a little ad for the institute. So we're doing a lot of stuff uh, very recently here. So we just came out with another position paper on the just price. So please check that out, leoinstitute.org, and then and then just navigate over to uh, position papers. The uh, we put out a document, a PDF that has a reading list on it. So please check that out too. I'm going to be updating that uh, as often as I can. And myself and two other uh, and two of our research associates are working on a paper that, that we're hoping will be out next week, uh, mid midweek next week. So check, check the Leo Institute Twitter for that. Uh, so that'd be at Leo Institute CST on Twitter uh, and also on our Facebook page. Uh, I put a little screenshot of the first, the, the front page of that. So that's going to be a piece on usury and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a long read. It's going to have a lot of information in it. Um, and it's going to have a lot of, I think solid arguments for why, we uh, believe that usury, uh, the, the, there's a lot of mistakes in the way people are talking about usury today. And so I think, I think we make some good arguments in there. So you might enjoy that. And, and, and again, look for that next week. 
And let's see. So yeah, I'm, I'm also, uh, of course, I'm trying to make this a bigger part of my life and I'm uh, trying to offset some recent uh, trouble that my employer has had with, uh, with the, uh, the affliction as my friend Anthony Stein calls it. So uh, if you're, if you're, if you're inclined, uh, please check out on anchor. There's a, there's a button to support the podcast. And I also have a Patreon and a subscribe star. Uh, those will be linked in the show notes and they're also linked on my YouTube page. So thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.